Welcome to another episode of the MMA Lockcast. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter, at MMALOTN. This week, we are going to be going over UFC Minneapolis, which is headlined by Francis Ngannou and Junior Dos Santos. Heavy, heavy, heavy fight here we got at the heavyweight division. Um, no need to sound redundant, but um, I, I'm pretty certain that you could see a number one contender emerge out of this fight. Uh, both guys have, uh, you know, they they they... They have enough viability or, or evidence, I should say, to deserve a title shot uh, after Daniel Cormier fights Stipe Miocic. So I'm re- very much looking forward to seeing a heavyweight contender emerge out of this fight. And it's a fight that we haven't seen before, and I think a lot of people have been clamoring for it ever since Francis Ngannou has kind of made his way to the top of the division, and Junior Dos Santos has always been around lingering there. Uh, and now we finally get to see this fight come to fruition. So I'm super excited for that. Uh, you know, can't wait for that fight to happen. Uh, no casuals this week. Uh, this is going to be a relatively quicker episode than normal as well. I got a couple of things that are on my checklist for today that I'm trying to bang out. But first and foremost was this podcast itself. So uh, I want to make sure that I always get the content out for you guys uh, and give my best as well. So um, uh, let's quickly go over what uh, has transpired since the last time uh, you guys have actually seen me. Uh, we had UFC. What did we have? UFC Greenville that went down as well as Bellator London slash Bellator 223 if you want to call it that uh, so let's start off with Bellator 223 slash London um, you know it was the one winning event that I had this weekend so I had 0.5 units on Jeremiah, Jeremiah Labiano I thought he was going to be able to grind out James Gallagher here uh, maybe have a little bit of success on the feet uh, you know it was 1-1 going into that third round, and uh, unfortunately, James Gallagher was the one that was able to gut it out a little bit more, uh, you know, had the, the top control, was able to grind out the fight, uh, and, you know, he didn't get a finish there, but, uh, you know, I think for a plus 350 underdog, we got relatively good value off of Labiano, so I'm not too mad at the 0.5 unit uh, bet there. Uh, with that said, uh, I had another 0.5 unit bet on a giant underdog that I didn't think deserved to be as big of an underdog as he was. You know, Gegard Musashi is a great fighter uh, on the last combative stores. I even told Tony as well, you know, uh, I think Musashi is one of the best fighters out there. Uh, but Lovato Jr. brings a very interesting uh, wrinkle to this game. Uh, I think that the fact that uh, his jiu-jitsu was so high level, uh, if he's able to get these fights to the ground, I think he's able to control these guys. And Gegor Musasi has a really good defensive uh, jiu-jitsu game, even though he was tapped by Jacare Souza the last time he fought somebody with such a high level jiu-jitsu game. Uh, but I really felt that Lovato Jr. was gassing after that third round. It was kind of looking, uh, you know, it was kind of looking shady for us uh, after, you know, I believe that it was 2-1, maybe even 3-0. You know, it could have been 3-0 going into that fourth round. Uh, but, you know, Gegard Musasi finished that third round really strong. Uh, fourth round was clearly Gegard Musasi. And then fifth round, I don't know where the fuck Lovato Jr. got this gasp of energy from. Uh, but he was able to actually, uh, you know, grind out Musasi, get top position, uh, and grind out that fifth round. Then eventually got the decision. I was very surprised that he was able to bounce back after looking absolutely shot in that third round. Um and great value for a plus 369 underdog. I had to get that 0.5 unit stab on him. Uh, kind of mad that I didn't go the full unit, but it is what it is, you know. Uh, I can't be too mad about it. Moving on to UFC Greenville. Kind of a, you know, crappier card for me. Started off very strong with... 
starting off with uh, Jairzinho, Rosenstreich. I had him winning inside the distance, two mi- two units at minus 142. Cashed on that for 1.41 units. And then also I had 1.1 units on Ashley Yoder at minus 110, so I cashed a full unit there. So that was great. I thought I had a great fucking event coming ahead of me. However, it just was all downhill from there. Uh, minus two units on Kevin Aguilar at minus 137. Danny Ige continuing to improve and continuing to impress. So I'm very, uh, you know, I'm happy for him. Unfortunate for the bet. Um, next up, we had a uh, underdog of the night play. Uh, plus 201 on 1.25 units for Montana De La Rosa. Unfortunately, uh, it was minus 1.25 units. Andrea Lee was able to get up more than I expected she was able to. Uh, you know, Montana De La Rosa did get this fight to the ground. However, Andrea Lee showed better uh, get-up game than I thought she was going to have against a strong wrestler like Montana De La Rosa. So, unfortunately, I lost her. I definitely, you know, I'm not hating myself at all for taking the shot at plus 201 odds for a girl that's been looking as good as Montana De La Rosa has been. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Andrea Lee did what she needed to to get the the victory there and obviously she had the better stand-up striking too uh, or the stand-up uh techniques so i was expecting her to obviously win that stand-up realm but once i hit the ground i thought montana was going to have a little bit more success unfortunately she did not uh next up was my lock of the night play unfortunately both fucking shit the bed it was very unfortunate i had a huge 11 leg parlay as well that was about to cash as well until it hit the co-main event which was brian barbarina uh Losing to Randy Brown, that one was kind of shocking. I don't know if it was the Vicente Luque fight that really took it out of Barbarina, but he just did not look like the same fighter. And I don't want to take anything away from Randy Brown because he looked really good too. You know, he 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 held his own on in the in the stand up department, which is where I thought he would have the most success. I just didn't think he would that he would have that much success. So that was very surprising to me. And then Hanato Moikana completely getting absolutely melted by a Korean Zombie less than a minute into the fight. Don't know what what more to say about that. Maybe Moikano's chin is completely gone. Um, and Korean Zombie is back. <laughs> Again, team tired. Team forever tired. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, ending that was minus 5.84 units for UFC Greenfield. I think I ended up minus 4.4-ish units, 4.3-ish units uh, on the weekend, if you want to include Bellator on that. Um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it was unfortunate. Uh, very shitty loss there. Uh, that's now... One... Well, that the first losing event in this stretch... Minus 0.64 units, so fuck you. <laughs> uh, minus 3.2 units on Chicago. Minus 2.79 units on Bellator 222. Plus 1.35 units on Bellator 223. Uh, and then minus 5.84 units on UFC Greenville. So, very disheartening. Uh, but we're right back fucking into the thick of things with UFC Minneapolis. UFC is killing it. With the amount of fights they have scheduled for the next several event or several weeks, so you know it's more than enough time to get these fucking uh, these L's back um, and uh, and keep the train rolling. So uh, UFC Minneapolis is what we got coming up next. It's a pretty good card in my opinion. Uh, you know, there's a lot of significant fights that are sprinkled throughout it. Not just the main event, but we got Juicy Formiga against Joseph Benavides, which should also have a contender emerge from this fight. Uh, you know, the flyweight division is railing really thin right now, and it could re- definitely use a Joseph Benavides d- W here, um, especially considering that uh, Joseph Benavides has a win over the current uh, flyweight champion in Henry Suhudo. 
Damian Martin against Anthony Rocco Martin. Damian Martin. Damian Maya versus Tony Martin. Uh, great fight there to see if Anthony Martin is going to be able to hang with the top of the 170 division. He's had a, a bit of a, a, a decent rise in the 170 division. You know, he's coming off that Sergio Marais win. So looking forward to what's going on with him. Uh, a Roosevelt Roberts going up against a very tough veteran in Vince Pichel. So we'll get to see if Roosevelt Roberts is really the real thing here. Paul Craig making his return once again against another jacked striker who should be able to beat him. And uh, should win here, um, but he always finds his way to fucking get a submission victory. So it's going to be interesting. Interesting to see if Alonzo Menafield can pass this test. Ricardo Ramos was supposed to face um, Sergio Pettis here. I believe it was Pettis, or uh, was it Pettis? Yes, Sergio Pettis. So that was a very highly touted fight, in my opinion. So I was much looking forward to that. Unfortunately, Hamos is fighting Jorney Newsom now, who I haven't been able to look into too much as of yet. Uh, Vinicius Mojea against Eric Anders should be a good fight. Jared Gordon against Dan Moritz should be a good fight. Um, and unfortunately, we just lost a fight between Dalce Lungiambula. Uh, against Justin Ledet, that was a pretty shitty one to lose. Um, but you know, again, like I said, overall it's a decent card. We're gonna really find out if some guys are real. We're gonna find out who real contenders are as well. Um, but I think it's a great event overall, at least from a card course perspective. I'm gonna say. All right, let's fucking uh, just get this show on the road. Let's fucking move things on. All right, first fight we got uh, Maurice Green. The Crochet Boss against Junior Albini. Maurice Green is going up against uh, Junior Albini here uh, after coming off of two straight victories over Michel Batista, um, where he won in terms of a triangle choke. I just had a long night. I don't want to get into it too much. Regardless... Again, forever tired. <laughs> uh, Maurice Green coming off a victory over Michelle Batista. And then Jeff Hughes, which is a rematch that he actually won. Uh, he fought Jeff Hughes in his last fight before he got into the Ultimate Fighter. Uh, he lost that fight. But then this rematch against Jeff Hughes, which is a fight that I had lock of the night money on Jeff Hughes because it looked so easy for him to actually get this victory. Unfortunately, uh, Maurice Green pulled out the split decision victory. And now he's running a two-fight win streak going into this fight against Junior Albini. So uh, the main thing about Maurice Green here is he's been working on his guard game a lot. Uh, his jiu-jitsu has looked decent for a heavyweight that's you know as old as he is, 30, 32 right now. Um, he's going up against Junior Albini who has, you know, there's no qualms about it. This guy wants to keep it on the feet. I feel like he has a good chance to knock out a guy like Maurice Green. Do I have the confidence to put money on a guy like Junior Albini? No. He lost to Andre Olovsky. He lost to Alexei motherfucking Olenek who, you know, he just allowed to just Put together an Ezekiel choke standing in a clinch, and then eventually, you know, uh, Alexei Olenek pulled him to the ground and then got the tap there. Uh, and the next fight, he got knocked out by Jarzinho Rusenstroik, who is a guy that he probably should have been able to ground and pound and just get out of there. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, he left this fight on the feet, and Jarzinho was able to uh, capitalize there. I wouldn't be surprised to see Maurice Green be able to get this fight to the ground and then work his jiu-jitsu game. I don't like either fighters in terms of their skills and, and thinking that they're the most uh, you know, efficient there. It's interesting that the the odds have closed. Wow. Uh, you know, I saw, from what I remember, Maurice Green was roughly around minus 160, one, minus 150-ish. Now he's all the way at pick'em odds. Ooh, I might have to consider Maurice Green here considering how bad Junior Albini's fight IQ is. Um 
Again, not a big fan of the crochet boss, uh, but this definitely has some value, especially if it hits plus money. I think we, I could, I, I wouldn't mind stabbing Maurice Green here. Um, I'm going to pick Maurice Green. Again, I'm not a big fan of Junior Albini. I just don't think he's the best UFC caliber guy out there. Not saying that Maurice Green is either. But uh, you got to play the number here. So if you can get plus money beside uh, Maurice Green's name, I would definitely jump on that. But as of right now, it's a no bet for me. I'm going to see where the odds go and see if Maurice Green actually becomes the underdog. Next up, uh, but yeah, official pick is going to be Maurice Green by submission. Next up, we got Emily Whitmire against Amanda Ribas. Starting off with Emily Whitmire. She's coming off a quick submission victory over Alexander Albu. Uh, I believe I had plus money on Albu and took the shot there. Unfortunately, uh, Emily Whitmire comes out on the on the winning end, especially one minute into that fight too. So that was very surprising. Uh, I think she has a stiffer test here against Amanda Rivas in terms of at least jujitsu uh, that she's going to have to deal with. So I think that Emily Whitmire is going to have to you know get her game going on the feet here if she wants to be victorious against Amanda Ribas. Uh, but Amanda Ribas, even in her last fight against uh, Jennifer Gonzalez, she made no bones about it either. She wanted to get this fight to the ground and she tried like the shittiest fucking takedowns. You know, her head and arm throws uh, really... Uh, backfired against her at the beginning of the fight uh, against Jennifer. Uh, you know, lucky for her, Jennifer is not the greatest fighter either. We should have an over-under on how many times I fucking yawn during this fucking podcast. I, I, I can't help it, guys. I don't know what the fuck it is. Next time, I'm going to come strap with the coffee. Hopefully, that helps me out. Regardless, uh, Amanda Rebus, uh, you know, she went for the same head and arm throw in that second round once that started going. And to her credit, uh, you know, she noticed that Jennifer Gonzalez was gassing and she took advantage of that takedown once again and was able to get the uh, p- uh, finish via punches. You know, she got the full mount. It was pretty easy for her, but I think she's going to put up with a little bit more resistance against Emily Whitmire here. So I- I'm not too impressed with uh, Amanda Rebus. You know, I haven't been able to completely watch the Poliana Viana fight. You know, it's only two minutes. 45 seconds just wasn't able to do that um not sure what that is huh something's louder on here either way um yeah i'm not impressed with uh with amanda rivas you know she's coming off of t- roughly a three-year layoff as well so that's definitely going to play against her too so i'm going to go with emily whitmire here by decision uh it's a no play for me immediately or as of right now with her sitting at minus 170 but uh as a pick i'm definitely going to pick up emily whitmire here like I said off the top of the show, this is going to be a slightly condensed version of the regular lockcast that you are used to, but I will try to put in as much effort into uh, the fights that I believe that matter the most here. So even this Jared Gordon fight, uh, he's going up against Dan Moore here. I like Jared Gordon's style in terms of being forward pressure, always moving forward. Uh, wow, that's so fucking redundant, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I love his style in terms of just putting the pressure on guys and just make it, allowing them not to breathe. You know, unfortunately, in the Joaquin Silva fight, it came back to bite him in the butt, and Joaquin Silva was able to knock him out, uh, and Diego Fajera knocked him out pretty quickly as well, t- within two minutes uh, of their fight as well. I think he's going to have some more success with here with um, with Dan Moret. 
you know, Dadmore has been on a pretty bad, a rough stretch as well. You know, he's winless in the UFC, losing to Gilbert Burns and Alex White. I think he's going to have the same trouble with Jared Gordon here. Uh, I would I trust Jared Gordon Gordon at minus three fifty? Probably not. You know, you got to question his chin issues. Uh, you know, maybe you know we saw with Brian Barberino coming back as a completely different fighter, but this guy's coming off of two pretty devastating losses back to back. So he's taken off six months since the last time he got knocked out. But I'm not a hundred percent sure that if I I can trust somebody with uh, as shady of a chin as Jared Gordon, especially against a longer guy like Dan Morit. You know, he's going to have a roughly five-inch reach advantage. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if Jared Gordon is going to be able to get into the, the range of J- uh, Dan Moore and will make him work the way that he's used to making these guys work uh, without getting clipped and get his, getting his chin tested again. So I'll, I'll, I'll go with Jared Gordon here just because his style is just so, you know, it's so likable and it's very, um, you know, it's, it's the most... Uh, in my opinion, it's the most efficient way for guys to get victories is if their cardio can hold up and they can continue to make their opponent work. But again, the the only thing that's keeping me from betting him is the uh, the the possible chin issues. So I'm not willing to risk my money here to find out if it if it uh, will hold up or not. So I will take Jared Gordon by decision, uh, but don't trust him enough to bet him. Next up, we got Jordan Griffin against Vince Murdoch. Vince Murdoch is going to be making his UFC debut after coming off a pretty tumultuous run with the SFL and then uh, having a victory in Total Warrior Combat over Justin King via punches. Uh, you know, he had a very weird run in the SFL, the Super Fight League. His first fight uh, got stopped due to a cut, which ended up turning into a no contest. And then he uh, initially lost to Vikas Vikish. Dehia via going tricks. Vikas kept going for these low kicks that ended up hitting, uh, that hit uh, that hit Vince Murdoch in the nuts, uh, twice or three times at least. Uh, and then eventually, the for the for some reason, the referee thought that it was just low leg kicks and that uh, Vince Murdoch couldn't continue. So he actually initially named the fight as a win for VCAS, uh, but eventually got turned over to a no contest. So it was interesting to me to go into this topology page of Vince Murdoch and see that he won via groin, groin strike. So I'm like, it's the SFL. Who fucking knows? You know, these guys probably uh, allow groin strikes for all I know. Um, but, you know, going back into it, it was actually a disqualification. So maybe it should have been DQ brackets groin strikes uh for vince murdoch uh but uh you know so he's coming off four straight wins uh his last loss is guy that i just bet on in jeremiah labiano uh so it's interesting that his name has popped up again uh but even before that he lost to my man jesse arnett uh he has a good one though against um tj laramie who's definitely a prospect as well uh but in this fight i think yeah you know you guys already know how i feel about short notice opponents I'm going to put like a running like count a ticker every time I fucking yawn uh, in these upcoming episodes maybe one day uh, so Jordan Griffin was actually supposed to fight Chas Kelly Chas Skelly my man Chas Kelly on Twitter uh, unfortunately Chas Kelly got injured and Vince Murdoch steps in you guys know how I feel about UFC newcomers, especially if they're taking it on short notice. So I'm, short notice. So I'm going to go with Jordan Griffin here, even though it's his second fight in the UFC. I think he's got his UFC jitters out of the way. Uh, but again, betting him at minus 360, I think not. But I'm still going to take Jordan Griffin by decision. 
Next up, we got Eric Anders versus Vinicius Mojera, a.k.a. Vinicius Castro. <laughs> um, Vinicius Mojera starting off with him. He's coming off a loss to Alonzo Menefield. Uh, and uh, he's actually a Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series Brazilian edition uh, product. So, you know, really good jiu-jitsu. Uh, stand-up could be, you know, is not the greatest. Uh, and I think he's going to have trouble with Eric Anders here if Eric Anders is able to get his things together on the feet. You know, he came out very flat against Khalil Roundtree. You could also attest that to Khalil Roundtree, uh, you know, stepping his game up with his uh, with his Muay Thai, you know, doing all that work over at Tiger Muay Thai. Uh, but Eric Anders is in a very peculiar position here now. He's f- one in four in his last five fights, his only victory coming over Tim Williams. Uh, but, you know, he lost to Leota Machida, Tiago Santos, Elias Theodoru, and then Khalil Roundtree. So you got to expect this is a definitely a must win for Eric Anders here and if he's not able to pull off a victory over Vinicius Mojeda he's probably going to get his walking papers and I think that's enough for him to uh you know put on a performance that he definitely needs uh you know he he did what he needed to in terms of getting a a sports hypnosis hypnotist a sports hypnotist so you know, apparently it works for some guys, and I think it will work out for a guy like Eric Anders as well. You know, minus 350, another. Another minus 350 that I probably would not trust. Uh, you know, Vinicius Mojera, uh, not the not the, not the the brightest bulb, uh, but he could definitely uh, pull off a submission victory here. Um, but I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't trust uh, Eric Anders either at minus 350. So I'm going to take Eric Anders by probably finish, probably in the second or third round. Uh, maybe I might even look at the inside the distance odds for uh, Eric Anders, but I think that Vinicius Mojera has a terrible gas tank, uh, not the best striking, uh, and makes it a little bit too obvious that he wants to try to get this fight to the ground, which I think it will make it easier for Eric Anders to sprawl on him uh, and then continuously beat him up on the feet. So I think we'll see a later finish for Eric Anders here, maybe later in the second round or early third round, uh, but I definitely think he finishes uh, Mojeda here. And uh, you know what? Let's just quickly look at what the end of distance odds for Eric Anders is. Minus 145 for Eric Anders. So I, I don't know. I think that's a little bit too much for me to kind of, you know, put on a uh, on a in-the-distance bet. Like, I know that I bet Jerzino Rosenstreich minus 142 inside the distance last week. Uh, but that was definitely, you know, Alan Crowder, heavyweights. Uh, Eric Anders, you know, we've seen him go to a decision a couple times. So I wouldn't be surprised that if he, you know, just plays it a little bit safer and just takes a decision here. Uh, but uh, I definitely think his path to victory is inside the distance once Vinicius Mojeda starts sucking some wind. So I'm going to take uh, official pick. Let's say Eric Anders, third round TKO. Next up, a fight that I'm going to gloss over relatively quickly because I wanted it to be Sergio Pettis against Ricardo Ramos. Instead, we're getting Journey Newsom against Ricardo Ramos here. Uh... I love Ricardo Ramos. You know, he's he has a, a lot of potential. He's coming off a loss to another guy who has a lot of potential in Saeed Nurmagomedov. Uh, and it would have been great to see if he was able to bounce back against a guy like Sergio Pettis. Unfortunately, Pettis pulls out. Journey Newsom comes in. Not too much, not too familiar with Journey Newsom. Uh, even when I was putting the tape index together, I was only able to find two fights for him. So, you know, check out those two fights if you guys are able to. If you guys are able to find even more fights on Journey Newsom, Hit me up at MMALOTN. Let me know, and I'll make sure I add it to the tape index, and I'll give you guys a shout-out as well so you guys are uh, properly credited for helping a brother out. But I'm going to take Ricardo Ramos here by decision. Again, not too much technical analysis on Journey Newsom here. 
I wish I could give you guys some more, but there's really no need to, especially with Ricardo Ramos up being minus 130, minus 325. Not sure if he'll be um, parlay worthy either, but Ricardo Ramos regardless. Next up, Alonzo Manafield against Paul Craig. Paul motherfucking Craig still always finds a way to pull this shit out. Uh, you know, in the UFC, he sits at 3-3, three and three, uh, beating Luis Enrique de Silva, beating Magomed Ankalaev, and then most recently beating Kennedy and Zechiku. Uh, he's always pulling out these fucking, these wins at the end, you know. Uh, Kennedy and Zechukul, he submitted with 40 seconds left, and then he submitted Magomed Ankalaev with one second left as well. So that one was nuts. Uh, Jimmy Crew was able to, you know, put the beating on him that he needed, finishing that fight at with nine seconds left. It's crazy that all of his fights have finished in the third round with less than a minute left. It's insane. Uh, and then Khalil Roundtree and Tyson Pedro were able to put a whooping on him too. So I expect Alonzo Menafield to come in here and absolutely whoop Paul Craig as well. Another heavy favorite in Alonzo Menafield, minus 320. Inside the distance is minus 215, so I probably wouldn't even bet that either. Um... I, I expect Alonzo Menafield to keep this fight on the feet. I don't expect him to, to you know, he only has two more fights than Kennedy and Zechuku did when he went up against Paul Craig. But I expect him to be more athletic, more powerful, more able to get the finish at the beginning of the fight and not, you know, tempt fate by sitting in his guard later in the fight. Uh, you know, if this fight does get past the one and a half round mark, I would be a little bit uh, concerned for Alonzo Menafield that he, as he normally likes to get these fights finished relatively quickly. Uh, we have seen him get into the second round in the in his LFA fight uh, and uh, second round in his RFA fights as well. But I expect this one to be a first-round finish for Alonzo Menafield. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't see Paul Craig being, being able to get him to the ground, and I don't see it going past the first round either. So I'm going to take Alonzo Menafield by first-round KO. Uh, yeah, he's going to be able to keep this on the feet, and Paul Craig is unfortunately going to have to take the pain. Next up, Drew Dober against Drew Dober against Marco Polo Reyes. Uh, Drew Dober looked really good against Benio Darius until he was caught in that armbar in the second round. But he rocked and dropped Benio Darius a couple times. I had hefty money on Benio Darius in that fight too, so that was a roller coaster of a fight for me to watch. Unfortunately, uh, but fortunately. Benio Darius was able to pull off the victory there, and Drew Dober had to go home with an L. But I think this weekend he's going to be going home with a W. Uh, minus 350 as well. <sighs> Odds are too wide for this. I would expect closer to minus 175, minus 180 for Drew, Drew Dober. So in the end, this will be a pass for me as I do think Drew Dober will win this fight. You know, Polo Reyes is coming off a pretty devastating losses himself uh, to, I believe it was Demir Hadzovic. Yeah, Demir Hadzovic put him out in the second round back in February. Uh, and I think that Drew Dober is going to be able to do the same. I think Drew Dober catches Polo Reyes, puts him out, uh, which is unfortunate. You know, Polo Reyes is a very entertaining fighter, but I think his chin issues are going to start catching up with him here. And Drew Dober has been showing that he's very precise with his striking and he has a lot of power behind it too. So I think that he's going to catch Polo Reyes and put him out probably in the first round. Would I bet him? No. Not at minus 350. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got Roosevelt Roberts against Vince Pichel. Very much looking forward to this fight as well. Uh, Vince Pichel calling off a ragdolling to Gregor Gillespie in his last fight. 
pretty much everybody and their mother saw that fight going the way that it did. Let's see what the odds were on that fight. He was a plus 325 underdog against Gregor Gillespie, which, you know, again, Gregor Gillespie is the uncrowned king in the lightweight division, in my opinion. I just want him to see, want to see him get those top five fights, which is what he deserves. Uh, and we have Vince Michelle kind of playing gatekeeper status here against a guy like Roosevelt Roberts, who's currently 8-0 going into this fight against Vince Michelle. I love what Roosevelt brings to the table. You know, he has a great, really good striking game, but a very developing uh, ground game as well. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's going to be able to implement it against Vince Michelle here. I think this is going to be a mainly a stand-up fight, though. I think he's going to light Vince Michelle up on the feet. Uh, I don't think that he should... Oh, it's minus 250 now. Interesting. Yeah. I, I want to see where these odds go. You know, if I can get Roosevelt Roberts roughly around the minus 200 mark, maybe that's a, a bet that I will make. But I think he wins this fight, man. Vince Pichel is no pushover, but I think that uh, Roosevelt Roberts just ha definitely has his number here. You know, Vince Pichel is up there in age now, too. He's 36. Um, you know, very injury prone. He had that three-year layoff between his Anthony and Jake. Anthony and Jaquani fight and Damian Brown fight. Uh, but since then, he's had three fights. Uh, Damian Brown, Joaquin Silva, and Gregor Gillespie. Uh, but I think he takes an L here. I think it's going to be two straight losses for Vince Bichel. And Roosevelt Roberts is going to keep this train going. Um, again, I will wait till roughly about minus 200-ish for Roosevelt Roberts. But if it doesn't get there, then I'm going to have to go with... Uh, just passing on this fight in, in total. But I'll take Roosevelt Roberts by decision. Next up, we got Damian Maia against Tony Martin. Uh, I like this fight, man. I, I really like this fight, and I definitely like the underdog here. Uh, Anthony Rocco Martin currently sitting around, roughly around plus 160. I'm going to have to... I might be betting him here. I like him as a dog. I love his performance against Sergio Moraes last time. Uh, great calf kicks. Made it very hard for uh, for Sergio Moraes. I think that he'll be able to implement the same type of game plan against Damian Maia here. You know, Damian Maia does a really good job of clinching guys and dragging them to the floor and then implementing his insane jiu-jitsu game. Uh, I don't know if he's going to have that same success here uh, as he will with Anthony Martin. I think Anthony Martin will be able to fight off the takedowns for the first round and then do enough damage on the feet that it'll be harder for Damian Meyer to get the fight to the ground later uh, in the second and third round. So I wouldn't be surprised to see an Anthony Martin finish in the third round uh, when Damian Meyer just continuously tries to get this fight to the ground but is not able to. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I like him as a dog here, man. I, I, I do. And the price is definitely getting worse on Damian Maya, which means it's getting better for Anthony Martin. So I would wait. I, I think we'll definitely see some money coming in on Damian Maia, Damian Maia uh, closer to fight time just because of his name value alone. You know, a lot of people don't really know who Anthony Rocco Martin is, let alone who the fuck Tony Martin is. So uh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait probably till about Thursday, Friday, see where the line is for Rocco. But uh, I like him anywhere even better than plus 150. So I like Anthony Martin here. Uh, I'm going to take him by... Let's say third round finish. I think that he pounds out. Uh, uh, I think he pounds out Damian Maya. I think that he keeps the fight on the feet. Uh, but if this fight gets dragged to the ground and Damian Maya gets his back, it's a wrap immediately. I just don't think that he will. I think that Tony Martin will do enough in that first round to keep this fight on the feet, beat him up, and then make it harder and harder for Damian Maya to get him down later in the fight. Uh, and I will take Anthony Martin via third round finish. 
co-main event time, we got Jussier Formiga against Joseph Benavides, pretty much fighting for a number one contender shot. They should definitely be fighting for the title after this. Jussier Formiga is stringing together four straight wins after coming off a loss to Ray Borg. He's beaten Oka Sasaki, Ben Nguyen, who are both in Risen now, uh, Sergio Perez, Davison Figueiredo, and now he's going up against a, f- a fighter that he lost to back in 2013 via punches, which is Joseph Benavides. So Jussie for me has definitely come a long way since his striking, or with his striking, I should say. Uh, you know, really putting it together on the feet. You know, he rocked Ben Nguyen with the spinning back fist and then eventually choked him out. Uh, but his his striking is definitely coming to fruition. Uh, and his ability to get this fight to the ground and control these guys is, is coming to fruition as well. You know, he was able to do it against Sergio Betis. He was able to do it against Davis and Figueredo. Will he be able to do it against Joseph Benavides? I don't think so. I think that we're going to kind of see the same fight uh, as we did as the first time around. I don't know if Benavides will be able to get the finish this time around, but I think that we'll see Benavides keep this fight on, on the feet uh, and then do enough in the striking department to uh, beat a guy like uh, Juice Formiga. And I'm highly considering uh, Joseph Benavides as a lock of the night play. I really like him. He's just a great fighter all around, does fundamentals, does everything correct. Uh, his loss to Sergio Perez was very... Uh, disheartening for me especially i made a made that lock of the night play on joseph benavides for that fight uh but he's come back and he's looked amazing you know he looked like his regular self when he fought alex perez and dustin ortiz and now he's fighting um and now he's fighting Juicy Formiga, which I think is a kind of a tailor-made fight for him as well. You know, Formiga wants to get this fight to the ground, but Benavides has great wrestling, great defensive wrestling as well. Uh, great submission defense too, so I don't think that he'll have much issues with um, keeping this fight, uh, you know, in the in the inner realm that will benefit him most, which is the stand-up. Uh, and I think that, you know, even with the stride that Juicy Formiga has made with his striking, I think Benavides is, is just too good everywhere. And I think that he'll outstrike Juicy Formiga, uh, you know, uh, just, just win the fight that he normally does. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to take Benavides by decision here. Uh, and I think that uh, he this will set up a number one contender, for, or at least this should set up a, a title fight for him. He should definitely run that fight back with Henry Suhudo. We know Suhudo is out for at least another six months. So um, I hope that when Suhudo comes back, he comes back to defend the flyweight title against Benavides uh, and then goes on to defend it against uh, the bantamweight strap against Aljamain Sterling, who I believe is the most uh, deserving of that uh, title shot. All right, main event time. Francis Ngannou versus Junior Dos Santos. Currently, the uh, the line is sitting at minus 250 for Francis Ngannou. Comeback on Junior Dos Santos is plus 210. In my opinion, this line is a little bit wide. Uh, Junior Dos Santos is coming off with three straight victories over Blagoy Ivanov, Tai Tuivasa, and Derek Lewis. The last two, a lot of people thought that uh, you know Dos Santos was going to get knocked out by. Um, and I think that's obviously the same kind of feeling that people have here against uh, Francis Ngannou. I wouldn't be surprised to see Junior Dos Santos kind of try to implement a grappling-type uh game plan here try to get Francis Ngannou to the ground but I wouldn't also be surprised to see Junior Dos Santos to kind of be a very tentative fighter in the first round and a half two rounds uh, and you know try to drag this fight a little bit later which is where he'll have more success with a, a grappling heavy game which is a, what I think he'll do um, 
I like Dos Santos here, especially above plus 200, man. Uh, I really like the value that he holds here. Uh, Francis Ngannou is a one-hitter, quarter type of guy. You know, if he's not able to land that bomb, it's going to be very difficult for him to try to string this this victory together. And I think that's why a lot of people are bending on Francis Ngannou. I think they think that he's going to be able to land that shot and put JDS out. But I think that JDS is slowly removing himself from that shinny issue type of guy. You know, the even the Stipe and the, the Overeem fights, like they weren't, the cleanest of knockouts, like he wasn't out cold, you know, like it, uh, I think that he still has a decent chin, you know, Derek Lewis and Tai Tuivasa was, were able to land really good shots on him, they didn't go out, uh, but obviously Francis Gano has different types of fucking bricks for hands, uh, and anything that he lands could probably put Junior Dos Santos out, but if you were put a gun to my head and asked where the best value is in this, uh, it definitely has to be with Junior Dos Santos because he has more paths to victory. Uh, whereas Francis Ngannou, you know, he's looking for that crazy uppercut. He's looking for the overhand right. He's just looking for that kill shot. And if that's all you're banking on against a guy that as technically savvy as Junior Dos Santos is on the feet, more often than not, you know, you you may land it but Junior Dos Santos does a really good job of rolling with these punches too. Uh, he's done a really good job with, uh, you know, keeping himself off of the cage, which is what, in my opinion, was his downfall in the Alistair Overeem fight and the Stipe Miocic fight as well. I think that his ability to, you know, continuously circle off the cage, um, you know, use his footwork to keep him out of bad positions uh, and rolling with punches will definitely play dividends here for Junior Dos Santos. I love the value on Dos Santos here. I'm definitely going to make a play on him. Uh, I want to see if people, you know, jump back on the Francis game because the odds are, the odds are kind of switching a bit uh, and getting a little bit closer. But I think we might be able to see Junior Dos Santos back up in the plus 230-ish level, which is where I want to bet him at. So, uh ton of value on JDS in my opinion at least skill wise um, you know obviously Francis can land on anybody and put them out but I think that Junior Dos Santos overall as a fighter is is the better fighter may not have as much power as Francis Ngannou because Francis Ngannou has that scary heavyweight power um, but I think that this is JDS's fight man I think that he could truly put together a, a very good victory here uh you know wear out Francis Ngannou for the first two rounds and then really put his game in uh for moving on from the third round I could see a fourth or third round finish for JDS uh Francis Ngannou really you know I highly doubt that he's uh, rectified any of his cardio issues that he's had in the past uh it's tough for a guy in the heavyweight division to do that but JDS is a guy that you know he knows how to pace himself from one to five uh from rounds one to five and I think it's something that he's going to implement in this fight as well against Francis Ngannou so I really got to go with JDS here he's I'm going to pick him to win this fight and I'm also going to possibly bet on him as well uh seeing where the odds go uh when it when when, uh the odds start to settle out a little bit more so I'm going to go with JDS I'm going to say fourth round finish uh TKO uh and uh we see Francis Ngannou unfortunately take another loss Y'all can say whatever they want in the comments. Jump on the Francis Ngannou hype train. Get his odds, uh, you know, even wider. And get me a better price on JDS, please. That's a wrap. That's UFC Minneapolis. I'm super psyched for this fight. Uh, super psyched for this event. Can't wait to watch it this weekend. It's a long weekend up here in Canada, too. We got Canada Day on uh, on the Monday, so we got the Monday off, so it's going to be a nice long weekend. Hopefully, I can start it off on the Saturday with a great victory for fr- uh, for uh, for myself, not just Junior Dos Santos, but for myself. Um, and uh, yeah, I just dropped Combat Tours last night, uh, episode six. Me and Tony go over a bunch of shit. 
check it out. We had a lot of fun doing it. I love fucking doing that podcast. I love just talking MMA. Not technically just breaking down fights, but just talking shit, talking MMA. I fucking enjoy it. I love it. Um, tape index is up as well for UFC Minneapolis so make sure you guys check that out to get all your gambling preparation needs we got everything on one page for it's everything is just a click away for you rather than you having to scour the internet and find all these fucking random fights or finding their topology page finding all these fights on Fight Pass I got it all there for you on the tape index so make sure you guys check that out uh, that should be about it. Hopefully I get to drop this tonight, which is Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to head home and quickly edit this shit and see if I can get it out for you guys ASAP. Uh, that should be it. All right. Thanks for watching as always. Make sure you guys rate, subscribe, like, do all that shit. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at MMALOTN. If you guys want to discuss anything that you guys heard on this podcast or even just fucking comment it below if you guys are watching this on YouTube uh, and we can have a discussion in there. I welcome everybody, haters, lovers, people in the middle. I love y'all. Thank you for giving me the view. Uh, thanks for listening to me. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can get back on the horse uh, with this UFC Minneapolis card. I will be back next week to record a podcast for UFC 239. We'll also be doing a combatter source next week as well. And then I'm off to Montreal for next weekend. I got a wedding to go out to. Uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to miss UFC 239, which is a bit of a bummer. I will try to catch up as soon as I can. Uh, but that will be it. That's it. I'm done. I'm out. I got to start talking. I got to stop. It's done. It's over. See you guys next week. Peace.